G'day there and welcome to the rewrap for Tuesday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Talk ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB. Hey, let's have another inquiry. A Royal Commission into Banking, just like they do in Australia. Why wouldn't we? Uh, Mike gets up close and personal with the new all-black jersey, but there's a problem. Uh, the bag ban. How, how's that uh, working out? And uh, what girly habits does Mike do? But before any of that... Uh, the uh, Maori health situation. It's bad. Uh, who's to blame? When they set up the Waitangi Tribunal all those years ago, 1975, like most big altruistic sort of ideas, it was done with the best of intentions, but also like most big altruistic ideas, it's hard to keep it in line, hard to know when enough is enough. And it would appear here we are, 45 years on, and the thing is kind of a runaway train. The great sadness is a lot of good has been done, of course. A lot of settlements made, apologies handed out, wrongs put right, but they never contained it. They dabbled with some cut-off dates early on, mainly from memory in the Bulger administration, but the dates all came and went. And while we were waiting for Napui and the like to work out whether they ever want to put the past behind them as opposed to continue scrapping literally forever, the tribunal seems to be amusing itself with highly politicised investigations, the latest, of course, being Maori Health. Sadly, the tribunal, like the various commissioners we have in this country, privacy, banking, health and disability, they lack any real teeth. They, they can say whatever they like, but enact none of it. That, thank the good Lord, is still left to the government of the day. And the government, I am hoping, will do with this latest idea around health what should be done with it, and that is put it in the bin. One also has to question just what this tribunal has cost in 45 years. There must be an equation, money out, problem solved. Just exactly what got fixed in 45 years, how much of it was tangible as opposed to ideological, like this current report. How many lawyers got hired, for example? How many hours did they charge? But the report itself, Maori. Maori have been let down by the Crown. Well, where do we start? Haven't we all, eh? But how far do we get to take that? That's a multi-pronged bow we can all draw, I would have thought. It is true that Maori have poor health outcomes, but it's true to say also so do the socio-economically challenged. I mean, poor housing hasn't helped, but poor housing is not unique to a specific culture. So do those who aren't Maori have a case all of a sudden? Further, given we've had 45 years of economic redistribution toward Maori in the treaty process, where are the billions that have been paid out at what point if Maori want to run their own system, don't they? Have they not prioritised it? And yet another question, at what point, if these highly political inquiries continue, do they counterbalance the genuine and good work the tribunal has been responsible for. In other words, when does the good stuff stop and the time-wasting actually start? And here's the really big one. Where in the report for yet more state-assisted help does the question of self-responsibility get dealt with? And given it doesn't, when does that start? Yeah, so it's these problems, are there solutions? Where are the solutions? I have to have another read. Because, you know, I definitely have read it. Uh, do we need a, a banking report? Let's report on the banks, like they did in Australia. Come on, love a report, love an inquiry, love a commission. Grant Robertson held a conference call. This is reported in the Herald. This is interesting. This goes back to the ANZ and HISCO, so it's not to do with the RB. So the whole thing's conflating into a, just a cacophony of mess. So Robertson holds a conference call with the heads of the banks, the four major banks, and he says, look, I'm under a tremendous amount of pressure to call a royal commission on this, and you guys need to pull your heads in and get your act together, and if you don't, 
if there's any further revelations about bad behaviour, I think I might have to pull the trigger on a royal commission, which we don't need, of course. The last thing we need in this country is yet another working group or investigation or a royal commission. And it all goes out of the HISCO thing, which I may or may not have time to get to today. And HISCO had a house and all the stuff that we already know about is pay and being moved on, etc. So that is in the mix as well. We do, if there's one inquiry we do need, it's an inquiry, inquiry, because it is getting out of hand. Can we get a working group together to report back on what's happening with all these working groups? What's happening with the All Black jersey too while we're at it? I had a feel on your behalf of the new All Blacks jersey. And the only reason I tell you this is because there's a con here. Uh, The jersey that was released will never be available to you. I was under the misapprehension, maybe it's just because I'm thick, but I was under the misapprehension yesterday that the jersey released is the jersey that the All Blacks will wear as the jersey that you can buy. Not so. The jersey you can buy is a world away from the actual jersey. The jersey, which has been designed by uh, Yoji Yamamoto, who's the uh, designer for Y3, which is a very trendy Japanese sort of uh, clothing label, uh, he has done an absolutely spectacular job on the actual All Blacks jersey. The texture on that jersey, the cleverness of the jersey, forget that it's the All Blacks, even if it was just a shirt that was hanging in a Y3 shop in the middle of Tokyo, you'd snap it up because it's A, beautiful, uh, the texture, the design, the fabric used, the stretch, the pliability of it. Is it slimming? That's, that's absolutely the, the most amazing. important, important it would be thing slimming. to me. Absolutely. Very, very slimming. Because firstly, it's in black, obviously, which is naturally slimming. And of course, it's got this, this beautiful body-hugging fabric, which slims you even further. It's like one of um, Kim Kardashian's new fitted garments. Anyway, so it's, it's a fabulous-looking jersey. And I'm, I'm looking at this jersey, feeling this jersey. And for the first time in my life, I'm thinking, you know what? I might buy one of these. This is so spectacular. Only to be informed, unfortunately, that that will never be on sale. What is on sale is just another faux version of what we've had before. It's well, black. Well, you can still get one. It's shiny. What, the actual All Blacks jersey? Yeah. No. Yeah, no, you can. No. Yeah, because you just need to win selection into the All Blacks squad. Oh, sorry, and then yeah, you... if you pick, get picked, I suppose if you're the top 31 or 32, you stand a chance. But apart from that, you will never lay your hands on it. But believe me, it is magnificent. Because um, we all secretly, deep down, as New Zealanders, believe that if we just train hard enough, we could be All Blacks, don't we? And certainly, if you want the jersey that much, just get in the All Blacks. How hard could it possibly be? Uh, they've uh, right. They've banned the plastic bags. Uh, here's Mike's take. Single-use plastic bags ban is a triumph, you know, to a degree in clever marketing and brutal idealism. Marketing, in the sense the name has stuck, if you think about it, single-use plastic bags. They're nothing of the sort. They're multi-use, of course. Most of us use them over and over. And the idealism, well, because this is a comparatively simple way in which governments and corporates can tangibly show they're doing something. Ultimately, this is a gesture, a nod. A hat tip. In a world increasingly obsessed with looking like being something as opposed to actually being something yourself, the plastic bag ban is the ideal contender for faux action of the decade. It'll cause no harm other than a spot of inconvenience. I mean, most of us have already gone and got our jute alternatives, the irony there being... As we forgot them initially, we bought more and more and more and more of them, and now we've got a boot full, several boots full. Dozens upon dozens of them never to be used, ultimately to end up in the tip. 
do they decompose? I don't know. I doubt most of us know because most of us are too busy to be fully engaged these days. We're just following the new rules as dictated to us by an ever-omnipresent government obsessed with regulation. The fact we can't recycle most plastic yet still have it out there. The fact recycling was a massive con with China who took our rubbish and dumped it for cash. The fact recycling bins get filled with whatever you're tossing out. None of that really seems to matter. As long as we can all collectively agree we've banned a bag. The fact there are hundreds of other plastic bags and plastic products all around us is no longer of critical importance, except for those of us who see this as the fraud it is. It's not dissimilar to fossil fuels and the big debate around that. Would it be nice to not rely on them? Of course it would. Will we one day? Maybe. But for right now, we need fossil fuels. For right now, plastics do in fact play their part. And like so many of these issues, the zealots are out and they're ruining the long-term chances of these broader ideas ever becoming a part of life. The harder you bang on about things being a crisis, the more you alarmingly warn the world will end, the more doctored up photos of carnage and chaos you show, the more you turn people off. From climate change to coal to plastic, by getting in people's grill, by being a zealot and either running a highly charged and often dishonest campaign or just regulating people against their will, you are failing to bring them along for the ride. And when you do that, the success and efficiency of what you're trying to do fails to fire. Oh, you might win the battle, but you are losing the war. Um, I'm already feeling the repercussions of this. Uh, only yesterday I opened uh, the drawer that has my kitchen uh, rubbish bin in it and somebody had put a plastic bag in that bin as a bin liner, but it was an ill-fitting bag. Uh, it was too small for the bin and they sort of stretched it across two diagonal corners and leaving gaps... And that's just going to lead to a mess and stress. Um, so there's there's emotional pollution to be considered here, not just environmental pollution. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I guess it's just a habit thing. Uh, speaking of habits, what a segue. What girly ones do you have if you're a guy? Obviously, I mean, if you're a girl, you're allowed girly habits. Guys aren't, though, apparently. Trending now on the Mike Hosking Breakfast. Confession time on social media this morning. One for the blokes on Reddit. Somebody simply asked, men, men, what things do you enjoy that are typically considered girly? Uh, so what weirdness was uncovered? Well, somebody said, oh, soaps, fancy soaps from the fancy soap shop. Regular soap's just crap after that. Uh, when my wife is out of town, says another one, I have a night to myself. I will oftentimes, what a lovely use of the word, oftentimes take a long hot bath. Is, my, is using the word oftentimes a bit girly? It's a bit girly in itself. Uh, oftentimes take a long hot bath, maybe even with bubbles. I will use my wife's nice skincare products afterwards and I'll put on my bathrobe and have a nice herbal tea while I watch old movies. My wife doesn't know I do this. I can't wait until the day my wife returns unexpectedly to find her husband spa-dayed out, just chilling. Uh, picking and arranging flowers, says another one. It's beautiful out there right now. I use face masks and use skin treatment for my pores. Nothing unusual about that. I do the same thing. I've got a beautiful um, gel mask and a clay mask I can recommend. This is me speaking, not some weirdo on I, I, I can't tell the difference. <laughs> I like going to small towns that are big on wineries and artsy crap. I enjoy wine and walking around looking at stuff in shops. <laughs> Is that you or from the... Yeah, no, you see, you don't know whether it's me or them, eh? You just don't know. I, in fact, I can't, I'm really struggling to think of anything that Mike Hosking does that cannot be considered girly. Because even the luxury car thing, he, you know, he likes, he loves a cool car. I feel like sometimes he leans towards the girlier options. And the girlier colours and the girlier colour schemes and features. Anyway.
I'm Glenn ZB. Uh, that was all a bit sexist, and I'm not comfortable about it. Um, I'm going to straighten myself up and see you back here again for another rewrap tomorrow. Yeah.